But my message today is still in the book of Amos, uh, and uh, my title today is The Great Restoration. This is the fifth vision uh, that Amos had. This is the fifth vision. Today we're going to talk about chapter 9. Now, when I started to, to teach and preach on in Amos, I had no idea that I would ever go, go to the Minor Prophets. I've quoted Amos here and there, but I've never ever preached any message from Amos, but I felt really moved by the Holy Spirit to do so. In this message, we will deal with pro, uh, the prophet Amos's fifth vision. We began this, this uh, series uh, with the vision of the locust, the vision of the fire, the vision of the plumb line, and fourthly, the vision of the summer fruit, or the, the vision of the ripe fruit, that fruit that was ready for plucking. And in, the, in these visions, God was speaking to Israel, the northern kingdom. You know, Israel was divided after Solomon into two kingdoms. You remember that. The, the northern kingdom, which was ruled by Jeroboam I, uh, he started it, and then Jeroboam II, and then a series of, of wicked kings in, in Israel, northern Israel. I mean, I'm sorry, the northern kingdom. And then the southern kingdom was Judah, of course. But the prophet was from Judah. Amos was from Judah. And we know that he was a breeder of sheep and uh, a tender of sycamore fruit trees. So, uh, that, so th those, those were a particular fig tree. And that's what he did. God called him from that. Uh, he was, as it were, minding his own business, enjoying his, his uh, sheep breeding and all of that. And God said, look, here, let's go preach, uh, prophesy. And uh, that was part of Amos's uh, portfolio in it, that he would say, uh, I was not a son of a prophet. It's sort of like saying, I was no preacher's kid. Uh, I was not a part. I didn't go to school. I didn't go to seminary. Sort of like Amos saying that. But God just picked me up and called me. And some of you, I believe God's going to do those things Amen. for you more in the future. You're going to say, well, Lord, well, I can't talk. Well, neither can I. Really, I can't talk without the Lord. I, I, everything is the Lord. When our sister Jadira was reading today, I was thinking about the Word of God. Uh, you can hear my words right now. Uh, you can't see them. And uh, you, you, if, once they're spoken, you can't identify them. But God, eternal Word, His thoughts, all of that was expressed in a, in a person. And, uh, and this person, this amazing person, Jesus Christ, is the reality of, the, of God's word. Well, when God called Amos, Amos's words were that of the Son of God, in that when, God, when one speaks for God, he must speak God, if that, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, because the word is God. And so that's what Amos was doing. So we have to be very, very careful how we judge the word of God that's coming from the prophet of God. So we have to be very careful. You're now living in a, a very strange difficult and difficult time. We've read about it for years. Those of us who are much older, we've read about it, about it for years and years that these days were coming, but they, they've come up on us quickly. And so in, in the book of Amos, it was similar to that in that Israel was doing very, very well. They were expanding the kingdom. Jeroboam uh, was uh, doing very, very well. He was, he was uh, conquering people. The economy was great. 
And uh, suddenly God sends a message and says, that ain't all of it. And so let, let's look at Amos 9.1. He says, I saw the Lord as Adonai. I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and he said, Strike the doorposts that the thresholds may shake, and break them on the heads of them all. I will slay the last of them with a sword. Uh, this is such an amazing uh, message, but God is speaking of judgment. Now, those of us who have lived a little while, we know that even in the judgment of God, there are good things. You know that? I mean, even with COVID-19, it's, it's dealt destruction and, and death. But, man, we have found more effective ways to preach the gospel and to use these tools. We have actually got to know the people in our homes a little bit better. I, I trust that's good for you. And so God is starting this there in, uh, by the, the house of God, by the altar that was supposed to be the house of God. Of course, the northern kingdom polluted it and perverted worship there. They just start to worship everything along with God. Well, we, we look at that and we say, how terrible. But you know, many churchgoers do the same. And I want to differentiate between churchgoers and Christians. Many churchgoers will do the very same thing. They will just mix everything up with, with their worship of God. Yeah. We have all kinds of, of things that we say and do. And I go, sometimes I'm aghast. I go, whoa. Is that what it is? So this is what they were doing. This is more stark than what we would we do. We just mix it up with our, our bad attitudes. We mix it up with our false bad history and uh, misunderstanding of people and various things. We have various leanings about life, or that is, inclinations about life. And so we mix it, uh, worship with God, with all that stuff, and are not really listening to the Word of God often. So this is what they're doing. And so God's judgment started there where they worshipped. Where they worshipped. And he says, I will slay the last of them with a sword. Because they were, they were doing wickedly while they were, quote-unquote, worshipping. They were doing wickedly while they were, quote-unquote, worshipping. Wow. And so here he says, God, so God shows the extent of his judgment and his justice. I, I would like to say again, because I don't, I don't want to be a broken record, but at the same time, I want to always say what God gives me to say. Because the words of God will rescue you. And they will rescue you not only from the devil, from the world. They will rescue you from you. And, and thank God for that. <laughs> thank God for that. So God says to the, through the prophet, he who flees from them shall not get away. So he says, you can flee from, from my judgment there uh, at, at your temple because Adonai is standing by the altar where they sacrifice all kinds of things. You know, when we lift our hands, we lift our hands to our own way and our own will. You know, so he says, he who flees shall not, uh, from them shall not get away, and he who escapes from them shall not be delivered. So what God is saying is his judgment is so uh, severe and it's also particular in that God if he's if he means to get you he's not going to miss you and get somebody else and so he says he who escapes uh, from them shall not be delivered though now listen he's showing the extent though they dig into hell he's talking to Israel but he's also talking to every person in every generation so he's talking to us now especially to us now especially to us now we're going through all kinds of things in our world the the, the craziness in our world, the craziness in our country, the craziness in p the people of God who just take sides and, and do all these things. 
it's not good. He says, though they dig into hell, from there my hand shall take them. So when God says if he's targeted you, it's like that little red dot. What do you call it? Infrared? Little red dot in the gun that gets on you. I remember watching those old movies. You ever watch some of those old crazy movies? Those old action movies? And I, I used to love these action movies, you know, and I'd have these old crazy dreams. And God, why am I having these dreams? That's the action movies. Okay. That's all of it. I'm, I'm done. But when they put that little red dot on them, on them they get look at this. Uh-uh. It's over now. Then the next thing you go, pew, and it's gone. So what God is saying is he, he, he invented infrared. And what God is saying is that once you're targeted for that, the best thing you can do is repent, not explain. Amen. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever just thought about yourself sometime before God, and then you, you think that, I'm here advising God. Have you ever thought about that? You know, come on. If you're a believer in this house and you tell me you've never tried to advise God, I say, you've not even prayed. <laughs> All right. And so here, um, he, God is showing the extent. He says, even though they dig into hell, from there my hand shall take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. And though they hide themselves on top of Carmel in the thick brush, you know, where there's a real thicket, he says, though they hide themselves on top of Carmel, from there I will search and take them, though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea. God is not saying that they can hide from his sight. What he, he, the prophet is using what we call hyperbolic language. He's exaggerating the speech to show you, to try to give you a picture of it. So if you were to go down into the murky waters of the sea and get down on the bottom, you think, boy, surely I'm okay. I got away. And he's saying, so he said, though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent, <laughs> and it shall bite them. Though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword, and it shall slay them. I will set my eyes on them for harm and not for good. Now, you know, this is strong language. It is true language. It is not inaccurate language, but this language doesn't tell the whole story. And remember my title, right? My title is The Great Restoration. I wanted you to be encouraged before you got sad. <laughs> what he is saying is no one will escape the justice of God, not even in hell. I, I've heard people say things like, um, well, I'll just kill myself. What? That means your trauma is only beginning. Don't do that. And if anybody under the sound of my voice is, felt or is feeling like that, don't do that. You haven't ended your trouble. The best way to end your trouble is to say, God, I give up. You know, help me, Jesus. Amen. So not even in hell will anybody uh, uh, escape. In this description of Adonai, this is a proper name for God, Adonai. Um, uh, it, it, they will not escape his justice. But God is a God of justice. God is a God of righteousness. He is a God of righteousness. He proves that he is God alone. In this great description, he proves that he is God alone. Because some of those deities that Israel uh, uh, was worshiping along with uh, Adonai, with God, uh, Jehovah, Jehovah, or or uh, Yahweh, or whatever name you use, that they were worshiping other, other deities with him. And so the description is 
where those deities were supposed to reside. One is in the sea, one is in the sky. They're all these different places. And so God, God is saying, if you go to find solace in your deity, I'm going to grab you out of out of his palace, wherever he is. What, so he's showing us how there is nothing that is formidable against him, that everything is impotent before him. All such places of so-called security. So this is what he's saying to Israel, and thus he is saying that to us. What he is saying to us is that don't mix all the stuff that we do in our daily lives with our worship of God, of Jesus Christ, of Jehovah, of Yahweh. Do not, work, do not mix those things. You know, uh, so much pollution is coming to the visible church. You know that. I talk about it a lot of times. I talk about it maybe every week. <laughs> but so much craziness is coming to the visible church. Um, you know, you can preach the gospel right out of the word of God. Quoting the words of God, people say, mm, I disagree. That's his opinion. Ayúdanos. Help us, God. Now listen to verse 5. The Lord of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts. You know, this, is, this is strong language. But he, he's, the prophet is giving us a picture of God. What Israel had done, they had rejected God. They had rejected the chastening of God. It's, for example, it's like if you have a bad child, and I'm sure that none of you has ever had a bad child. But if you had a bad child and you gave him a good spanking, pow, pow, pow. Pow, 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 pow. That's a lot of spankings. And you give them those, and then they don't do anything. So you decide, hmm, what am I going to do? I, don't want, I can't kill my child. <laughs> what do I do? I'll punish them. Spanking's not enough. I'll send them to bed without dinner. You know, I, I tried that one time. I'll tell you their story sometime. But I'll send them to bed without dinner, and there you find that somehow they, 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 they uh, got food into the room. You know, nothing seems to work. That's how Israel was. You know, in my case, one of the children, I saw them sneaking food. And where it was, it, it, they were doing, I was sitting in the den, and the den was to my left. And so they, they were sneaking food like this, looking at me. I said, oh, sneaking food to the, to the perpetrator. I won't say anything. I'll just pretend to ignore because I'll have to bring that one into judgment also. <laughs> but this is what God does. He says, he who touches the earth and it melts. He's showing you the, the awesome power of God. And all who dwell there mourn. This is what he's saying. So even the righteous will suffer. Believers, we ought to embrace the righteousness and the justice of God. As I said to you in Spanish, it's, it's uh, la justicia. La justicia de Dios. It's the justice of God, which means it's the righteousness of God. So righteousness and justice cannot be dissected. They're the same. If you're righteous, you're a person of justice. And it's not your own definition. Have you ever talked to people who say, well, uh, that doesn't mean that to me. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? Well, love to me means it's not love to me. It's not just so subjective. You know, you, there's some room for that when you apply it to yourself, but you can't apply your subjectivity onto somebody else. That is, it's been filtered through your feelings and your own privatization of what love is, or your own privatization of what justice is. No, justice is defined by God Almighty. 
and it is doing what is just, what is righteous, what is holy before him. Amen. And he says, so God's justice is going to be uh, like um, the swell. It's going to, and, and of all of it shall swell like the river, like e the river of Egypt, and subside like the river of Egypt. He who builds his layers in the sky and has founded his strata in the earth, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. And what he's saying is that is the judgment is going to be like a big flood. Then you just see it just heaping up. And then when it comes back down, just a few people maybe are surviving. And this is what God is saying. What God is saying is that the bulk of the, of the nation will be destroyed, but there will be a few left. He's giving us a picture that there's, there's going to be a remnant left. And I figure, God, if you're, going to if you're judging all of us, uh, would you leave me? You know, let, let me, not, not just so that I can live, but let me live to declare your glory and your works. And so Israel had boasted of their special place. And you know what? I, I'm very, I honor Israel. I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys who I'm pro-Israel, but I'm not pro-unrighteousness. You see, when they do wrong, I have to say, I don't say it's right. When you're my, you're my friend, I'm going to back you up. But I'm not going to tell you you're right when you're wrong. You know, if you're looking for me to, to somehow pacify you when you're wrong, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, hey, man, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're not, you're not, should not have done it. But I'm with you. Amen. I'm with you to help you. You know, but I'm not going to side with you when you're wrong. And so I, I'm very much uh, uh, pro-Israel, but I'm not with them when they're wrong. See, years back over almost 800 B.C., they were talking about being God's special people, so how can judgment come to them? Are you still with me? And so they were, but they were wrong. They were wrong-headed, wrong-hearted, wrong-minded. And today, we feed into that as the Christian community. We figure, well, we got to be with them even, no matter what they do, no matter what they I heard one man of God say, well, no matter what they do, right or wrong, I'm with them. I go, yeah, but when they're wrong, be with them for the truth. Yeah. Yeah. This is not an anti-Israeli sermon. All right. I'm told so much for them. Love, love the Israeli people. I love the Jewish people because our our faith in God has come through them, and uh, Jesus was born a Jew. Yes, he was. He was a, He was Jewish from his birth, but now he is the first fruits of a new mankind. All right. So in verse seven here, they were. Uh, boasting in the fact God, God's not going to do it. I'm, I'm, I belong to God. He's not going to do anything. I belong to God. And this is what he said. Are you not like the people of Ethiopia to me? O children of Israel, says the Lord, did I not bring up, tell me I brought you out of Egypt. Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? Yeah. But I brought the Philistines, he's saying, from Kaphtal and the Syrians from Kir. I, I've been delivering Gentiles and, and blessing Gentiles too. So don't, don't do this wrong stuff and expect to get by. He says here, Behold, the eyes of the Lord are on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. Now notice, now we, we had this language earlier that says, hey, everybody's going to be, be messed up. Well, everybody's judged. Everybody is judged. But he says, I am not going to utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. He doesn't say the house of Israel, but he uses the term Jacob because Jacob was that conniver, that guy who, who uh, even in the womb, 
coming out of the womb, man, grabbed his brother's heel and said, come back, Esau. But he couldn't do it. Or Esau popped out, right? But he was trying to supplant Esau from the womb. And then he, he, he uh, how did he do it? He, he, he uh, stole his birthright and uh, got the blessing by conniving. So he's talking to them. He calls them Jacob because he's saying, you're not all, all right. Amen. I'm not going to destroy you. I could destroy you. I have a right to destroy you in your wrong. Many believers are always on the wrong side of this. You're on the wrong side of God, Amen. as it were. You know, that you and I don't consult God. What do you think, Lord? What do you want me to do, Lord? You know, you'd rather God cry than you. You know, I, I, I'm not like that. I'm not boasting. I don't want, I'm not saying I'm the temple. I'm not boasting in myself. I'm just saying that I have an appointment with God usually about 2 or 3 in the morning when I do something I shouldn't do. <laughs> it's like the back room. Go into the back room, son. I'll be there after a while. Please don't make me wait too long. All right? So, so as a believer, we need to seek the Lord and do what the Lord says, not what our friends and neighbors are saying. All right, verse 8, Behold the eyes of the Lord on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth, yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For surely I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say the calamity shall not overtake you nor confront us. So all of them shall. So what God says, I'm going to put you in a, in a sifter. Uh, you, many of you are so young, you probably don't, don't know what a sifter is. You ever had your mom have a, this sifter in the house? She put the flour in it. My mom always sifted her flour, you know. And, and what did she do? She sifted the flour so that the lumps, the little anything that was extraneous, like a little bit of rock or little lumps of hard uh, flour would not get into her whatever she was cooking, her cake or, or whatever. Uh, so God is saying to Israel, I'm going to sift you. I'm going to, and, and what happens only, only uh, uh, in this case, I, I believe the, the, what God is saying is I'm going to keep all of, of the negative stuff separate from you. Amen. All right? I'm going to keep it separate from you. And so then bad times during times of judgment, good things are happening. Amen. Let me hurry. So um, on, on verse 11, uh, this is the title is Israel will be restored. So we can say that Christians, we believers will be also restored. We can say that we will be restored. So God's judgment also includes salvation. God's judgment. So don't always be so terrified. <laughs> you know how we are. You know, you know you, we, we mess up, and then we mess up. We think that we can keep going to God. Well, I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. Well, this is just me, God. Come on, man. You know, let's get this thing right, because we don't live the Christian life by our own strength, by our own power. We live the Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the life of Jesus Christ in us. And so now, verse 11 uh, let's read it. It says, on that day, uh, that is the day when I do all of these things, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. That means I'm going to wall up its breaches, all of the holes and the cracks in the wall. I'm going to, I'm going to repair it. Uh, and he says, I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Now, he's saying this to Amos. I will rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess 
the remnant of Edom or that they may possess uh, the remnant of mankind and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Now, now this is what he says. So, so, so he says, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle. I'm going to raise it up again, the tabernacle of David. You know, I've described to you the tabernacle of David, right? It was when uh, uh, David was now king. He was the first righteous king of, of Israel, and he was like the, the prototype king. Always sought God, loved God with all of his heart. And David, when he got brought the Ark of the Covenant um, uh, from, I think, Obed-Edom's house. I, I believe it was Obed-Edom's house. He brought the Ark of the Covenant there. And he brought it, uh, and he put it in a belt of tent and put it in a tent. Well, you know, in the tabernacle, it was compartmentalized. The Ark was behind the, this curtain. And in the temple, it was also behind the curtain. But uh, in David's tabernacle, it was just right out in the open. David could walk right in there, right into the presence of God. And uh, he would worship in the presence of God. So God's going to restore this tabernacle of David uh, and, uh, that has been torn down. He's going to restore it. So in order to restore it, there must be something that the Israel, Israelis or Israelites aren't seeing here. They are thinking that we're just, we're God at all. We're God's special people. But right there he says, no, no, I'm going to include Gentiles with you guys. I, I'm going to include Gentiles. Yeah, I brought you out of Egypt. I did these things for you. But I'm going to include Gentiles. This is amazing. I'm so glad he includes Gentiles. And so, and so he says, okay, now, and then he, he describes this blessing. We'll talk perhaps a little bit more about uh, the tabernacle. But he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman, this is how bountiful the blessings are going to be uh, in, in respect to how devastating the destruction was. I mean, you know, to, you saw that going into hell, you're going in there and getting them. Somebody going up into heaven, one of, they think uh, in the heavens were one of their gods. And you go in there and get them, pull them out. You know, they go to the bottom of the sea. They think, I can just rest here. And then God says, get them. And a serpent bites you. He says, wait a minute. But, but now, as devastating as, the, uh, as, as that judgment was, right now, look, look at the blessings, the bountifulness of the blessings. The days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. I mean, you got such a bountiful harvest that, that you're still gathering it. And the plowman said, come on, hurry. I've got to plant. It's planting time. You go, but give me a little bit more time. He said, hurry up. Get the, and so, so God is talking about a, a time of plenty like, like they had never had. And the treader of grapes uh, him who sows seed. So the time is coming uh, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. So God is showing you a time when uh, he is rebuilding uh, the, the tabernacle of David. And let me just say it in case I don't get to it. He does that through a son of David. He does that through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who has brought in Gentiles and Jews into one body. That's what Jesus has done. Amen. In Acts chapter 15, it's a very 
wonderful chapter. You want to read that, Acts chapter 15. It's when the Gentiles were coming in, and uh, James, who was the brother of the Lord, was now, he was not a believer until Jesus' resurrection. And then he, he, did, he, he just gave everything to God. Um, and, and James was now the head of the Jerusalem church. He was the one who presided over it. He so came to the Lord. As a matter of fact, I think it was uh, Josephus who says that he, his knees, he stayed on his knees. His knees became deformed. Uh, and I think he had the nickname Camel Knees. Uh, listen at, at, at the reading of Acts 15, beginning in 13. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. So he's saying what God did through Peter at Cornelius' house, the word of God agrees. So if the word of God is not agreeing what you and I are doing, then we need to stop it. And that's what Israel did not do. Does the word of God agree? And don't twist the word of God. That means you're going to be guilty of double punishment. Wow. Now listen. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, as, just as it is written. After this, he's, he's uh, quoting Amos. After this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. Listen. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does these things. And known to God from eternity are all his works. And so what God is saying is, I have planned to save a multitude of, of Gentiles. And so what, what uh, the scriptures are saying here, um, uh, uh, Amos, the scripture here in Amos and, of course, in Acts are saying is that God, God will bring in a people just like you who are not like you, he's going to bring them in too. I believe this is a perfect day for God to show uh, the pious Christians now who have really gotten a lot of things wrong. Amen. A lot of things wrong. I, I told you, uh, I've told you a number of times that were I not a Christian already, were I not, it would be hard for me to, to become a Christian seeing what I see and hearing what I hear from so-called Christians. Amen. I'm just telling you straight up. I'm glad I'm saved. So we ought to remove the obstacle. And I believe that God is saying, even in this, in, in this day, I'm going to remove the obstacles to people seeking the Lord. I'm going to remove obstacles so that the rest of gen the Gentiles can come to me. I believe that's going on. Okay. Let me go back to Amos 9, verse 14. I'm going to wrap it up. He says, I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. So there are going to be some. Remember when the, when the, the, the river swells and drowns, and then there are going to be a few that, that are left when it, it subsides, and they're just going to come out all messed up, you know, like, like, like uh, uh, Jonah after, after the, the big fish swallowed him. They're going to come out. They're going to look like death warmed over, and they're going to be ready to do what's right. Amen. Now listen to what he says. They shall... I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up. The land I have given them, says the Lord God. This is so big, isn't it? So powerful. So he says, I'm going to do something. And so this is what we believe, is that Israel yet has a function. Yes, they will, but not what we hear always on our news and from 
the prime minister. Did I go there? Oh, I, I went there. Not always those things. You are the one. You are the ones who have the truth of God. Don't let somebody who does not have Jesus tell you what the truth is. All right. All right. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me hurry. Isaiah 2, verses 2 through 4, and this is my last verse. Verses. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. We're part of that, folks. It's not just Israel. It's Israel and us. But those remnants of Israel. And shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations, all people groups shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Lord, I ask you to make us aware, make us cognizant of what you are doing right in the midst of us. Let us not be like ancient Israel, the northern kingdom, who did not yield, did not repent at your rebuke. But Lord God, I pray that we would repent at your rebuke and not become an advisor or a counselor to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.